Welcome back, everybody. It's Luke again. Uh, you're on the Moments podcast, and thanks for listening. We've had loads of great content of late, and I'm really excited today to have another really interesting um, person join me, uh, which is David. Uh, David's at the BBC, um, and I'll let him introduce himself and say hello. David, over to you. Thanks, Luke. And uh, yeah, hello. I'm David Manning. I head up internal communications and employee engagement for the design and engineering division of the BBC. It's about uh, three and a half, four thousand people uh, across the BBC that look after everything from our broadcast studios to um, uh, radio studios and everything online, BBC iPlayer and all the websites. So a very busy part of the BBC at the moment mm. with all of the great stuff that's been there. I've had, I've had your site pretty much live on my second screen for the whole of lockdown uh, to keep me up to speed with what's going on. So, oh, so it's you, is it? You okay, do it. Yeah, I'm the problem. I'm part of the problem. Um, I always like to start off with a question. Um, we talk a lot about moments at Mo, um, and it would just be really good to get a sense, um, since you've been at the BBC, like what's your standout moment or your the thing that you would imagine on your kind of highlight reel um, when you um, one day decide to leave the BBC? Well, at the BBC, we always talk about those BBC moments, those live moments, and, and generally things that we feel only the BBC can do. So you're talking things like the Olympics or the coverage of Glastonbury um, mm. or the big weekend and uh, things like that. Um, and, and one of those moments for me, um, being the age that I am, um, is Radio 2 Live in Hyde Park, uh, which is an annual event, obviously, every September. Whether it takes place this September or not, who knows. Mm. Uh, but last year, I got the opportunity to to work on that um, and uh, stand on stage with uh, with people like Status Quo and Pet Shop Boys uh, was was quite a thrill. Looking out Very over cool. twenty five thirty thousand people in in Hyde Park was uh, was quite a moment. And uh, and one thankfully I had a photo taken. Yeah, <laughs> so at indeed. least as my memory fades, um, I can refer to that photo. But it was definitely a moment. Absolutely, yeah, huge one in work and in life. I imagine. Yeah, I, absolutely. I could, just not imagine standing in front of that many people whenever you see like a live or attend a live um, concert it's always like I could just only begin to imagine what it's like being up on that stage I guess you've got a flavor for it which is really cool yeah it's fantastic so uh back to business then uh, mm. now we've got a little insight to you I guess it would be really interesting to start off with um we record this in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and it's been a really interesting time for many but given the world in which you operate, I imagine it's been a, uh, you know, a, an, an extraordinary time for you. Um, it'd be great to just get a sense of how do you manage that situation um, and what you and your team have kind of focused on uh, in terms of internal comms and engagement. Sure. I mean, it's, it's been a very interesting time for us and particularly those that are in internal comms anybody who's been in internal comms or in corporate comms for a while is, is probably used to crisis management but this um, is just another level really uh, and the BBC obviously is a it's a public service broadcaster and it's a requirement of our charter to remain on air so other large organizations perhaps next for example have had the opportunity or taken the opportunity at least to shut down for a couple of weeks and reorganize we we couldn't do that we have to stay on air so 
um, uh, our mission to to inform, educate, entertain, more important than ever, probably. Uh, but we've got things like, you know, we've got 40 radio stations across the UK, whether they be network radio stations, we've got BBC News journalists out there all the time as well, all to keep on air uh, and keep people informed, engaged and, uh, and, and entertained. So... I think that was that was our biggest challenge um, uh, was was doing that. Second to that, of course, was shifting three and a half thousand colleagues from D and E to remote first working, and a further mm. thirteen thousand BBC colleagues to remote first working as well. It's a complex organisation with all the studios and, and news channels, as I, I've just said. So um, we, of course as a broadcaster have emergency processes in place for, for you know, times of national crisis or, or celebration, for example, mm-hmm. like VE Day or whatever. Um, so our initial response was, was to use that. The critical teams know who they are and get those people in place, identify them. Um, and then the directors of, of each of our divisions triggered their own sort of emergency processes and, and remote first thinking. But despite having those in place, um, and so many colleagues needing the information and, and moving to to remote first. This was really unprecedented for us, and there was a huge amount of anxiety and nervousness, not only with what was happening in the world, but also whether our systems could cope with so many people logging on remotely. Um, that was uh, that was a real challenge for us. Um, but uh, we're using our our emergency channels and hoping that they would stand up to um, what was pretty much 16,000 people logging on uh, simultaneously. That was uh, was quite a a feat for us. Yeah, I bet. But um, yeah, I mean, we've we've got a great comms team in the BBC managing all areas. um, And so uh, we've got some key messages coming out from from the centre and complemented those with divisional messages. And our division itself not only has responsibility for our, our own teams, of course, uh, but also we manage the IT infrastructure for the BBC. So as a team, our IC team were tasked with uh, coordinating and crafting the messages for all BBC staff as well as our own staff. So we had divisional messages uh, focused on them. Um, and BBC staff managing remote connectivity, making sure that uh, our servers and the critical staff could get to the information they needed, and particularly those that were on air, um, uh, you know, journalists are out and about using mobile connections, making sure that they had access to the information they needed uh, so they could uh, do live broadcasts wherever they were. Um, and shifting presenters of radio programs to um, home studios, that sort of thing. So uh, there was there's quite a lot of uh, comms going on um, to to different pockets and uh, different people. And I I always I always have this, um, this this thought and imagination that your job must be really quite hard. And the reason I say that is um, if. In the main, communication in a variety of different forms is what the entire organization does, outwardly facing. Mm-hmm. So the expectation and what people want must be, you know, pretty, pretty high in the standards. But how do, you, how do you get a sense of what people want? And then how do you 
you know, have, have uh, a way in which you can meet those pretty high expectations because they're, they're, they're built to give this information to the outside world. So how do you make sure you get it really right on the inside? I think you need to focus on uh, a simple set of core messages and, um, and not have a corporate, corporate voice. For anybody who's seen W1A, you might be under the impression that um, everything in the BBC is very corporate, goes through committees and, and everything else. It is, but when it comes to uh, sort of crisis situations, um, uh, we make decisions very, very quickly, and you have to in, in, those, uh, in those circumstances. Mm. Um, and I think tone of voice is, is absolutely key. People talking on a level, um, line of sight to leaders is absolutely essential. Um, so they get the message once and it's not filtered several times and takes a long time to, to get to, to people. Um, but uh, we've got a very conversational tone of voice internally, uh, which might surprise some people, but um, it's, it's quite different to perhaps the more formal six o'clock, 10 o'clock news delivery. Um, yeah. it, is, it is quite informal. It is very relaxed. Um, uh, there's, there's no uh, suits, as it were. It, it is, it is yeah. fairly chilled, and particularly in our division as well, which you'd, you'd probably expect in a, uh, a design or a sort of IT-led division. Fairly straightforward for us to do, to be fair. And on a, on a practical level, I imagine your, your channels are probably, you know, within design and engineering, are probably quite mature anyway. Is, mm. is that a fair assumption, given, given your audience generally pretty tech savvy people that have built their careers on understanding technology. Um, I mean, yeah, but, yeah. but they're not, um, to be honest, Luke, they're, they're not digital driven. Some are, uh, particularly when it comes to um, managing projects and things like that. Of course, we will use uh, Microsoft Teams and Slack um, and, uh, and the like, and of course, uh, Zoom as well. But to be honest, because people are using those day in, day out, it's, um, we've chosen to focus on face-to-face -face comms. Uh, so we've used Zoom for quite some time uh, and supporting that information with regular emails, online articles, videos, uh, and that sort yeah. of thing. But we, we still try and keep that face-to-face. -face. So the transition for us going from uh, internal uh, where people are in our offices to home working hasn't been too much of a shift. It has for other departments, to be fair, yeah. not, not necessarily ours, but um, because we're used to using uh, Zoom, that's, that's worked quite well. And we've been able to, to, to complement that with sort of uh, Pan BBC type radio shows. So our DG, uh, Director General Tony Hall and the Managing Director Bob Shannon uh, have hosted all staff calls every week um, uh, since uh, since lockdown which has had key people on like the director of safety and security and risk hr leaders our own uh, chief technology and product officer as well as executive leads and people like that um, and um, we've hosted some sort of team leader um, uh, webinars as well only because uh, we're very uh, conscious that it's the team leaders that are going to be asked the questions first before anybody else uh, and they need to be on the front foot yeah and be well informed and yeah um the the i think it was the last or the maybe the one before last uh, we did a um we did a podcast like this um with um sky betting and gaming mm -hmm. and um they had a podcast that they did internally focused on things like mental health um do you do anything 
that has like a, a specific focus or theme associated to it in the same way that it might be a radio show or a TV program? Absolutely. We, we have um, uh, moments, uh, given this is a moments podcast, it's probably a good time to, to bring that in. We, we have those moments and indeed we had one today about resilience um, where we had uh, some of our HR team who are focused on that, talk about that and well-being. We've got a whole host week of activities around uh, mental health awareness week uh, next week. Um, and um, uh, but they're not standalone moments. We link interlink those with all the other um, divisional comms activity that we have. Uh, whether we link back to articles, whether we include um, divisional guests or other guests within um, uh, other uh, standard moments, like I mentioned, um, uh, Tony Hall's regular BBC staff. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, call so uh, we'd have people on there talking about it not just the specific moments about okay we're, we've got a, a webinar here about resilience we've got one over here about mental health awareness or, or whatever that it might be um, so we in, into interweave all of those um, so it's not just a, a a moment it's a series of moments right okay okay cool very cool um, and maybe on the topic of that you've queued me up perfectly for my next question in terms of a series of moments. Um, so a series of moments the, in, in the context of this question is, it feels like in my mind, there's kind of three key moments uh, in the entire pandemic. One is the moment of transition from normal work to remote and somewhat of a kind of crisis zone. The next into um, a position of kind of somewhat stability or kind of normalization um, in which we are still expected to do our work um, and then a transition back. It'd be really interesting to just get a sense of how you and the team have been thinking, approaching those different moments of transition through the pandemic and kind of what you see coming up next, mostly around your comms and engagement focus. Okay, well, um, it's, it's definitely been a challenge, mainly because there are so many moving parts and, and a lot of those we can't influence. Obviously, usually in a crisis, you're generally in control of your own destiny and timetable. But we've generally followed, as you say, to you know, react, recover, reset process. Uh, but we've added a few other moments in as well. We, we broke down the, the forecasted timeline of the pandemic into sort of six themes. I've got to try and remember them all now, but um, it was um, uh, react, reconfigure and stabilize, which was sort of the first one, prepare for the peak, perform through the peak, sustain and build, reconfigure and renew. And I hope I've got those right. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have. Um, and then we, 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 we mapped the, uh, the typical change curve over the top of that. So we could see generally where the morale could be, um, particularly early on in the crisis. Uh, and then um, and then map a set of key messages over the top of that uh, to communicate to each stage. Um, many of these, of course, will, will overlap. Uh, mm. So, for example, our initial communications to design and engineering colleagues, we wanted to ensure that um, uh, DSE was in place uh, so, uh, work so they could work from home. Uh, there was a big focus on well-being, uh, personal resilience, safety and health. Um, but, uh, but operationally, we also focused on keeping our product services and systems 
uh, resilient and stable at the same time. So uh, I mentioned earlier about there was a lot of nervousness, nervousness and anxiety about whether our systems could hold up with so many people logging on remotely. Yeah. Um, so now we're, we're, we're sort of at the sustain and build stage as we're, we're sort of coming out of the peak of the pandemic. So we're working with senior leaders and team leaders on what how working in the division will be going forwards. And we're using uh, the same channels, but just moving the conversation on uh, and involving colleagues in those conversations. It's, um, have you got a really nice visual that maps the pandemic timeline to um the change uh, like change and emotional response yeah, curve absolutely yeah. i might be tapping you up for a little guest <laughs> on that. happy to share that that's was... um, yeah that would be that would be really cool um and one of the things that always gets me with um comms is this this the difference between communicating and being heard and people listening to what you're saying because you can have the grandest plan, but if there's a gap, and you'll know this in your, uh, in your external face, is that you um, getting a sense that that connection's happened. You know, you've said, they've heard. Um, how, how do you understand that? How do you know that you're getting it right? Because the plan sounds great, and the, it's the first time I've heard this kind of mapping of this uh, change curve over, over the top of it. Um, how do you know it's how do you know it's worked um well we have uh, our audiences team who obviously do that day in day out with our audiences so so we we've taken some of the tips and tricks that, that, that they use and uh some of the models that they use um uh, generally speaking uh to help us develop our ways of measuring uh within our, our normal channels and um okay. that aside as well we obviously have the digital tools that uh, that i mentioned we we use zoom we also use uh popular as well so zoom you can run reports on attendance and mm -hmm. the q and a's and you get a sense from the q and a's uh, from from the reports what people are understanding and what they're asking and, and then you can build on that for uh, for for future zoom webinars that we do we in the division we do uh, our weekly um, uh, webinar for for all colleagues um, and that includes uh, a hefty part of that it includes a Q&A and likewise we have one for team leaders as well which focuses specifically on helping them and supporting them in managing uh, in a shift of managing to, to people remotely yeah um and likewise we have emails obviously but we use populo for for our emails so again we've got some great uh, engagement analytics that we can pull off that to see um uh, the the click-through rates uh, and see what's working and what isn't um but but complementing that of course we also have our our uh, our feedback channels so team leaders we've got business management teams hr business partners um, and we get re weekly feedback from them about the topics that they're discussing and and uh, what's happening at various uh, senior leadership or teams uh, uh, own webinars if they're running those or team meetings and what are the topics of conversation so we can sort of marry those up a little bit um, we've also just run a, a team leader survey actually we we've held off running uh, morale surveys um, and uh, until around about now because there's uh, we 
we, we've sort of asked at a local level how people are doing, um, but we've not run any sort of big survey. You uh, kind of know the answer in this kind of... You, you do, and people, morale is going to be up and down, and yeah. uh, depending on, uh, well, external influences, of course, what's in the news, uh, yeah. but also um, what's happening uh, within, within the organisation. But the team leader survey was really twofold one yes we wanted to understand a little bit of morale and there were a few questions on that but it was mainly about um uh, how the teams were managing uh, how they were managing their productivity how they're able to work or not in the in the current circumstances but also thoughts feedback ideas on future ways of working what teams might need now and what they might need for a sustained period of working which of course we're in now uh, and uh, that by that i mean working from home the challenge uh, for us is that we um uh, we don't have uh, it's not as binary for us as we're all working in BBC buildings or we're not working in BBC buildings. There are critical people that have to be in BBC buildings. We don't have a choice mm. uh, in the same way that, uh, that Twitter perhaps have announced this week. We can't do that. We're too complex an organisation to be able to do that. So, so getting their feedback on how it could work and involving them in, in future ways of working has, has kept them engaged. So. Yeah, very interesting. And um, it sounds a bit like we're a much smaller scale, much simpler organisation than um, you are. But we did a fairly similar survey that understood like even things like people's working patterns and how they've changed them. Like when, when are they starting their day? Like when are they taking breaks? When are they intending to finish work versus when do they actually finish? Um, like what's going well? What's not going well? What kind of things would they like to see? Uh, even people's living arrangements make quite a drastic difference to how they might be thinking Hugely. and feeling. Absolutely. Um, which begs the question for me, and what, what we were striving for there is, can we achieve a level of richer personalization? Because hopefully, um, well, you see it from the BBC app, like you, you know that the more, the greater level of personalization, likely the greater level of engagement. Um, because it feels like everyone's going through this experience differently and everybody has individual requirements and what we were trying to get a sense of is given our scale can we be more personal in the way in which we're supporting people and can we create a better individual experience for for, for people uh, rather than a collective way in which we were kind of managing the initial crisis communication um, in quite a probably a bit of a generic way unless there was specific individual cases so how do we get that next bit right for people it'd be fascinating to get your views on kind of how you've been considering segmentation um, for your communication activities and how you think about personalization for employee experience to help drive enriched engagement yeah, I think just go back to what you were saying, you have to also marry up the fact that as a business, you've got a business to run. And I think sometimes, the, the, yes, there is a lot of focus on um, trying to accommodate every circumstance for colleagues. Um, but at the same time, you're trying to balance that with productivity and output. Um, yes. And it is very difficult at the moment because there are so many external influences. One, one of the big uh, outputs from uh, our, our team leader survey, for example, um, was uh, we asked people to, to list the sort of top three challenges they had. And by far and away the biggest, maybe because it's the, the uh, age of the population that we have in, in D&E in some, some respects, uh, but childcare. 
was mm -hmm. was a big issue. Now we know that for those um, colleagues that have uh, that have children, um, particularly those that have older children, the likelihood is that that isn't really going to the circumstances aren't really going to change until September. Yeah, um, at the at the earliest we think, even though some schools have announced, yes, they're going to open in June, but realistically is, you know, we don't know how that's going to work yet. No, um, we've just had our email from our head teacher to say, well, you do realize that we're coming, we might be coming back on the first, but these are some of the rules, um, which mm. means that school uh, like work is probably going to be very different when the kids go back. No, that, so, so absolutely. So uh, as far as segmentation is concerned, um, the, the the challenge for us is is more about uh transitioning back into the business you know our, our um our main communication to to the most of those people that are working remotely is if you're not critical staff you you'll stay remote working for some time um the uh, the focus of our attention is the critical workers that have been uh, and i use the term critical loosely because uh, they're, they're essentially the teams that need to be on site so they're not necessarily critical in terms of key workers necessarily yeah. um but those those critical workers have been working flat out in in you know various forms of shifts uh, and we need to give them a break and we need to see how we we manage that so they're a, a core focus uh, for the next at least the next few weeks um, uh, of how we manage uh, their activity going forwards and, and how we bring in the social distancing within our within our buildings to enable them to do their jobs uh, and rotor a little bit more effectively than in crisis mode, which they've been in for so long. Um, and as for the rest, you know, the uh, the focus for, for certainly for the design and engineering teams is is the transitioning back uh, where. As you mentioned, there are people that don't like homeworking, would much prefer to come into a place of work. Uh, perhaps their personal circumstances um, uh, don't allow them to have uh, a home setup that is is good for them. Uh, they might be in shared accommodation, for example, and uh, and they want to come back in. Others are finding huge benefits you know, for, of of yeah. home working. Um, and uh, and many of us uh, who and I'm sure many of your listeners as well who've had who've have long commutes into the capital or or to wherever they work are enjoying the fact that they don't have that commute. So their commute is now from their bedroom to their kitchen to wherever they're setting up for the day. Yeah. Um, Definitely, <laughs> which, which has its which has its benefits, of course, and and um, and people are feeling healthier. They can spend more time with their family. Um, one of the feedbacks from the survey, um, uh, which which made us laugh, was uh, see, people said the toilet facilities were better at home. So, um, which is great, you know, uh, that people are enjoying that. But we're we're very conscious of the fact, and our colleagues are because we've been speaking to them uh, about this. They're very aware. Of the fact that the homeworking that they're doing now is very different to um, the homeworking that you would expect. Um, so you've got children around, you've got other distractions going on, uh, you can't pop out to the post office or whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, it's a very different way of working. We're working through a crisis. We're not necessarily working from home per se. Um, and, uh, and people have got used to that and, and created their own rhythm. Yeah, indeed. I think we are definitely in that zone now where new habits are forming, at least. Um, and 
people are kind of getting much more used to the routine and some of the freedom measures of like being able to exercise anytime will start to, or as much as you like, sorry, will start to create a, level, a new level of normalization, I think. And then when the kids go back, you've got this kind of, you can see a path to uh, transitioning forward in some way, mm. shape or form. And, and on that, I guess, let's roll forward and hopefully six, 12, 18 months time, maybe um, the world has normalized again in some way, shape or form. And that's not to say it's gone back to where it was. It's just normal. Like there's, there's this adjustment socially that's happened. Um, what, one of the things in my mind is it feels like there's going to be a remote working kind of fork in the road and you're either going to have, or a working, sorry, remote uh, working transition uh, where there's a fork in the road, but either, you're going to make an attempt to transition back and that is your uh, end goal, is that everybody's transitioned back fully into their work setting as was, um, or you're going to try and go fully remote because somewhere in the middle, um, there was a really interesting blog from Bruce Daisley the other day that talked about uh, the kind of halfway house that doesn't really please anybody, that you have to be close enough to commute to the location, you can't be far enough away to you know, really adjust your lifestyle. Um, because you're not truly remote, you're kind of still hanging on by a thread. But in either scenario, I think it feels like there is going to be this movement to a remote setting of some workers, at least. Um, I'd be really keen to get your understanding of what an engaged employee looks like in that setting. Because, you know, in the office, you could understand if someone was slouched on their chair or turning up late regularly or whatever it might be. There's loads of indicators that might say this person's morale, motivation and commitment to this organization, their engagement levels overall are quite limited. Um, in a remote setting, some of those visual cues just aren't as easy to get. Like how, how do you imagine understanding engagement in a, in a more normal but remote environment? And what does an employee look like that's engaged? I think that's a really interesting question. And I think um, there, there are certain things that you can put in place with uh, performance reviews and uh, personal plans, etc. Um, I think the focus is more on output and it's more the, um, the how rather than the presenteeism yeah. of, of somebody. Um, and and you're right you know we've had some feedback on on the zoom calls where people have tried to run workshops and, and found it incredibly difficult to read the people that are on you know a, a small set of screens rather than trying to read the room and and uh, and, and, uh, and pull out people that are glazing over yeah. um but uh, i i think that's a that's a really difficult one i mean um uh, what does what does an employee look like and I, I, I suppose those um that that do attend the zoom meetings <laughs> which would be a good a start, start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. would be good um uh, and uh, you know that said they don't necessarily have to be on camera um so they can be busy doing other things as well but at least with the one-to-ones you'd want to those regular one-to-ones and and i have uh, uh daily sort of catch-ups with with my team only 10 minutes in the morning but just to say hi yeah. and see how we're all doing and we're all on camera and we're all fine and whatever else whatever state we're in whether it's pajama tops or whatever but it doesn't matter um <laughs> yeah. but we, we just have that those conversations but it's it's very difficult um because we're you know we, we've talked about 
the, the social fabric that we've created over years of being in buildings. So uh, those hallway conversations, uh, those kitchen catch-ups and uh, whatever else that, that we've done. Um, and, and we're starting to, to use that credit out. Um, and it's going to be harder for us to interact between uh, lots of different departments um, when you're not involved in those conversations or even just walking from the entrance to a building and you might see or overhear something uh, on the way or you pass other departments and see what they're working on. You're not getting that. Um, and particularly for us in internal comms, that's a real challenge because uh, we're, we're blessed with having uh, the opportunity to have a, an umbrella a picture, a sort of helicopter view, if you like, of what's going on in the organisation. And, and other support functions like HR and finance are very, very similar, but we're not, but we tend to pick things up from conversations we hear or little chats that we have here and there in corridors or whatever, not necessarily the meetings. Going and now, it, now it's conversation by appointment. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to make it very much harder. Um, so keeping an eye on what that engaged person looks like i think will be a challenge and i don't think if i'm honest we've probably got an answer yet but we probably need to find a way of of, uh, of marrying up when when you know lockdown and social distancing allows um to um combine the digital with the face-to-face -face, even if it's just for teams um yeah. and uh, to 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 see how people react and interact you know, we talked a lot about uh, onboarding. I know when I joined the BBC, it was a huge thrill. It was a dream come true for me to join the BBC. Um, and walking through the the, the doorway on the, my first day at New Broadcasting House, it was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. But of course, you can't do that now. You're just sat in front of a laptop and you don't get that experience. So it, it's trying to maintain that culture and that connection with the organization as, as much as it is um, engaging people with teams and their purpose and what they're trying to do. And it, and it just means for a more um, open and transparent culture, I think, um, and not expecting things to be really polished before they're delivered and um, ju just for people to show their workings out a little bit more yeah. um, uh, as well. Um, and that's, I, I guess, as an organisation like, uh, well, certainly the division that, that we're in, the design and engineering, we're looking at a more, and I hate to use the term, but flexible first um, approach. And we're having to take that. I mentioned earlier about the, the people having to be in a building and, and those that don't have to be in a building. Uh, but being flexible um, uh, means that um, uh, we've got a, a way of maintaining that social fabric as a division which i mentioned but we've got established ways of working to be productive if not more productive using the tech that we've got in place so for people that are um, remote working we've we've set them up with screens and, and everything else they can do that um, but we've also got the ability to bring them in uh, to buildings and uh, and have that physical interaction that uh, that humans need essentially yeah yeah indeed and Maybe just a slight extension to, to the very last question would be um, the, the typical measure for how engaged somebody is has become the engagement survey. Mm -hmm. um, do you think we're going to need to ask a different bunch of questions now? Or do you think that some of the, you know, the kind of templated structures of 
a Colt Tramp or a Glint or a Pecon or whoever that you might use or not internally. Do, do you think that they are asking the right questions in this new setting in 12 months time? Or do you think that we're going to need to think about work quite fundamentally differently? I think it, it will be different. I think the the core sort of engagement questions might still be appropriate. I'd have to review those and see if they are still appropriate, you know, 12 months on. But I think we're shifting more to um, an ongoing conversation rather than surveying people at a point, particular point in time. You know, the, the, the surveys that we've done of late, so the team leader survey, and we're just doing a, a pan-BBC employee survey as well, um, we're very conscious of the fact, and we've already seen this in some of the early results. So um, the uh, the team leader survey was was conducted before the announcement by the prime minister on the Sunday, mm -hmm. um, and the t and the colleague uh, survey is post that, um, and the anxiety levels. Um, coming through you know there's there's more uncertainty now unfortunately um, although some of the points have been clarified I think since but a lot of people filled that survey in sort of Monday Tuesday Wednesday uh, of the week and um, you could feel you could see that sense of confusion coming through uh, I'm not sure where we're going I need uh, some guidance of of, um, uh, of uh, uh, points in time so I can plan my life a little bit better um, whereas before people were in a rhythm they got used to the fact of what they were doing and and th they were they were focused and um, could sort of plan a little bit way forward uh, but there are so many external in internal external factors and I think if you're serving people on a regular basis uh, you start you'll start to see that uh, reflected it'll almost be like the change curve um, over again that we talked about earlier it, you know people will will you know take one step forward and two steps back in some some respects depending on their personal circumstances we've not seen anything like this before yeah it's true it, it, and it's, uh, it's unprecedented so trying to make a judgment call on whether a survey an annual survey is effective not so sure I think you need to open up and have those open conversations continually to see how the external influences and your internal uh, operational changes um, and support are, are marrying up uh, and if people feel confident that, that you're going in the right direction. Cool. I'm going to finish just there and say thank you ever so much. Um, it's been really good and really insightful um, and uh, everything that I hoped it would be and more. So thank you ever so much for your time and uh, I really appreciate it. You're welcome.